listening to Girl Talk, a podcast for girls hosted by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Girls are go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. As the premier leadership organization for girls, Girl Scouts sets the standard. Girl Scouts is the girl expert, and in a world full of challenges, we're in Girl's Corner. In this episode, we're talking with our friend Maddie Phelps. Maddie is a development associate at Girl Scouts River Valleys, writing grant applications that fundraise for the Girl Scout mission. Outside of work, they spend their time writing, weightlifting, and hanging out with friends. Hannah and Shana had a great conversation with Maddie about experiences they each had with mental health as teenagers and now as adults, like what it felt like to deal with things like depression and anxiety, what made things hard, and what helped. They also talk about how it got better as they got older, but that some things are still hard. We'll mention the terms mental illness and neurodivergence. So we're all on the same page. Mental illness refers to health conditions that affect thinking, mood, emotion, or behavior. And neurodivergence means having a brain that functions in a way that's different from the usual norms in society. All right, let's get into it. Hey, y'all. We have Maddie here today on the podcast, and we are so excited to have Maddie as a guest as we go through the topic of mental health. I'm Shayna. And I'm Hannah. I'm Maddie. Let's Yay. see. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> so let's kind of start off with what was your experience with mental health growing up? So my mental health, what it was like growing up is kind of tricky because I wasn't really diagnosed with anything until I was an adult. So my entire childhood is mainly just like, oh my God, what's happening? (laughs) Just so confused and emotional and not really sure what to do about it. It's like, I knew this teen angst, but goodness sake. Yeah, I was like, what's going on here? Listen, I just want you to know, it's very normal if you're a child to just sort of sit in your basement and just sort of be like, I'm so sad right now. (laughs) That's normal. That's not mental illness, actually. (laughs) Um, But no, I have, let's list out my diagnoses. I'll roll out the parchment. uh, Just for clarity's sake, I'm autistic. I have depression. And hot off the presses, I have a new diagnosis I just got six months ago. Mm-hmm. I actually had to look it up to remember before we started to remember to say it right. <laughs> Premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which just means that you ha- your PMS is like turned up to 11 and it's a bad time. Mm. Um, but growing up without knowing that I had any of this going on mm-hmm. meant that like everything was just really confusing. Like I did like literally like sit in a ba- in my basement, <laughs> look up the DSM online, look up the definition of depression and yeah. be like, and like autism and be like, wish I had that, but I don't. <laughs> so now I have to live this like yeah. life of struggle without like yeah. connection. Boy, would that explain what's going on yeah, here? Like, too bad uh, it's not real. Too bad I just suck. <laughs> Like, I don't deserve these labels. I just, like, suck and I can't cope. And, uh, yeah, which is, like, the weirdest thing that, like, I don't, like, it was right, it was literally yeah. right there in <laughs> front of me. Like, I knew exactly what was happening, but mm. I just, like, couldn't accept it. And was like, no, not me. I just, like, so, and, like, I felt like I had to, like, hide it from everybody. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, like, I was in my basement looking these things up. So it's like, well, even if I did have, the, like, I can't even, like, talk about my suspicions with mm-hmm. everybody. Because, mm-hmm. like, for some reason, it's this thing that I have to just, like, keep inside. Mm. Right. Mm. It's funny you say that, that, that you weren't, like, that you, you knew about it, but then you didn't 
feel like you could use those labels or anything. It just seemed like, oh, that's other people, not yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, because, like, when I was a kid growing up, um, I also have experience with mental illness. But I can I can pull out my parchment in a second, too. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, when I was growing up, I used to consistently cry every Thursday night. Like, just ball sesh. Like, just cry mm. for years. Like, 10 years that's that was what i would do every thursday night and i'd also cry other times too but especially on thursday night i don't know why i still think of thursdays as cursed mm. um. <laughs> the moon is always in retrograde <laughs> <laughs> something's in retrograde <laughs> i don't even know darn it it might be venus i don't know <laughs> thursday messed me up but but so like every thursday this would happen and when i got older and i i ended up getting diagnosed so i'm diagnosed with uh generalized anxiety disorder and bipolar 2, so bipolar disorder has the, there's like two variations. <laughs> and I have the second one. Uh, ooh, variation. Ooh, uh, <laughs> it's like jelly beans. Um, <laughs> yeah, your fancy diagnosis with a number in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, so I have bipolar 2, which basically means that it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Kind of like it's a little bit more mild than bipolar 1, mm -hmm. mostly in terms of the mania part. So bipolar is characterized by periods of extreme depression and periods of extreme like heightened mania I, we can talk about what that means more later but but the mania for bipolar 2 tends to be a little less like there's just less risk-taking behavior mm -hmm. associated with it in the way that bipolar 1 might have more extreme um so anyway i got diagnosed with those later but when i was growing up yeah i'd cry every thursday and i was just an anxious kid mm. um and i remember getting these diagnoses and telling my mom and she was like oh that explains why you <laughs> cried every thursday your, your like, mom had like a maddie moment where it's like oh my goodness there's these linkage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it just it's like it's right in front of your face mm. but you don't even like put it together really is interesting mm -hmm. and other people don't necessarily put it together mm. like you know your mom i'm not saying anything bad about her but like yeah. your mom knew that you were crying every thursday but you still didn't get these diagnoses like mm. my parents knew that i was pretty sad and like found it really difficult to socialize and i didn't get these diagnoses mm. either like yeah especially with girls i feel like sometimes it's hard to like identify these things as problems with girls because mm. like you know women just be crazy like if you're an <laughs> yeah. emotional girl like yeah. that's just because you're a girl and you're too emotional right, right. like those stereotypes no i really appreciate you highlighting that maddie because that takes place so often where girls are siloed to these uh generic ideas instead of just being a dimensional expressive person it's like well, if you would just calm down, even there's so many studies like in social science and sociology where girls sometimes are told to be like more tame or if they're louder or like laughing. It's always like, hey, ladies, come on now. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Take it. Take it down. Well, and I think, too, like I, I know me growing up in terms of, of this stuff, I think I, I hit it pretty well. I think that in public I was good at faking it mm. because I felt like there was a certain girl put togetherness mm. that I needed to project so I think that I think th that it's true. Like it, publicly, a lot of times people probably wouldn't have realized. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I had the same experience, and that's probably also like as an autistic girl, like I wasn't diagnosed because like, oh, you're just like normal, and like that's a boys thing. That's a thing mm -hmm. that boys have. Mm -hmm. Like, right. if you're a girl who's quiet and like emotional and well behaved, you're just a normal girl. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to, Hannah, you've talked about uh, being a perfectionist, and by no means I want to link something that doesn't correlate for you, but uh, does, was there oh, any kind correlates. of... Oh, it correlates. I was going to say, is there any relationship to that for you? Yeah, I think definitely. I tell myself in my head, and this is not good thinking that I tried to unravel, but I tell myself that, that things go well for me because of how much I worry about mm. them. So, like, I just continue the, the worrying piece mm. because I'm I'm imagining that that's why things go well. Right, like and if you were too lax, then yeah. you wouldn't be prepared enough. Yeah, yeah. But I think I definitely take it to an extreme <laughs> level. But I was curious too, Maddie, in terms of like when you were growing up, did you did you see boys getting diagnosed or like recognizing autism in boys and it and it just bypassed you? I mean, not in like personal relationships, but yeah. like this should have been assigned to people earlier on. I love doing research. And so yeah. like when I was eight years old, like I did a lot of research on autism because I knew on some level that I had it. Yeah. But all the research online, if this, it's better now. Yeah. But like back when I was researching, a lot of it is like autism, like they have the male mind. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, like all gross. like the, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like all the preeminent research on autism is like on boys with autism. So like... Most of what's in, like, research manuals and stuff like that, like, you know, like, it's slowly getting better, but, like, most of it is about autistic boys. So, like, autistic girls often get left out of the conversation. Or yeah. it's like, like, you're just a quiet girl. You're just mm. a quiet, well-behaved girl. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. We need to make sure to consider how does it manifest or what does it look like with girls? And also, how do we specifically offer support and consideration so i'm really happy but again we, we kind of talk about inequities or or a systematic change that we need to kind of look into and this is one of those areas for sure yeah and i think that like in terms of like how those experiences impact you too when you're a kid what your day-to-day -day life looks like i mean in terms of the sort of well i was crying every thursday yeah <laughs> so there was that piece as well but i think also just like this perfectionist drive the anxiety mm -hmm. piece i think it was just exhausted all the time i think you yeah, mentioned that at the beginning mm. it's just so exhausted I'm, I'm tired and i feel like <laughs> other kids weren't tired they, they felt like they could go and do all these extracurricular stuff and play and do all these and i was just exhausted <laughs> When I first got on medication, I, like, had so much energy that I felt like I was, like, all over the place. I was like, is this how some people feel all the time? <laughs> like, this is it! Like, this was when no one told me. <laughs> no one told me you were supposed to have energy to do things. Yeah. But you're so right, Hannah. Like, it's like, you have to be so, like, or I'll speak for myself. I felt like I had to be, like, so, like, on guard. You have to mm. be so prepared and so on. Because if you can be a perfectionist and, like, do things really well then it quote-unquote makes up for the fact that like oh you're autistic you have mental illness etc cetera, etc cetera. like yeah. it's a, some deficit that you have to make up for instead of this just like common experience that you have yeah and this thing that you need help with exactly you guys are actually leaning into this already so we kind of wanted to think about um what makes it harder you know that you guys are talking about what it felt like and what was the experience like how did you initially understand that this was occurring in your life but like when you're going through this what makes it harder I feel like for me it was like feeling like I had to do it all by myself like you know I have to live up to everybody's standards like I have to get good grades I have to be a well-behaved person and so I can't like let these you know I can't like be vulnerable like that in front of people I can't ask people for support or tell them about my experiences like 
that's just something that's wrong with me that I deserve that I have to deal with. And that's how depression makes people generally, but me specifically, feel. It's like, oh, you just deserve this. Like, this mm-hmm. is just something that, you know, you're bad at and you just suck. And you just have to deal with that by yourself because that's your problem. Mm-hmm. Don't make it other people's problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's intense. It sounds like it's it's already a struggle. And then... Like you mentioned, your unique experience, but some of the um, features that are commonly uh, linked to depression makes it even harder, makes it so that it's hard to reach out or will criminalize you for what you're going through internally. Yeah. And speaking about PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, girls or anybody who has periods they're just told that they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, it's your time of the month, mm-hmm. or, like, they must be PMSing. So if you actually have a problem where mm. it's, like, your PMS is, like, way too extreme, yeah. then it's hard to even know that because you're just like, oh, I'm just being crazy. I'm mm. just, like, you know, on my period, and I'm acting how mm-hmm. I should on my period when I actually, like, it shouldn't be this extreme experience that, like, mm-hmm. brings you so much despair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being, like, uh kind of dismissed or being kind of lumped together instead of being like individually assessed yeah i think like when i think about what makes things harder i mean i know for it's interesting you talk about your specific diagnosis so like how depression makes you feel like oh i'm just bad and this is just the way it is and i just have to like get through it um the the flip side of bipolar disorder that mania piece makes me extremely productive like hyper productive <laughs> when I was in college before I realized I had it I used to describe myself as a speeding bullet train that no one could stop which you know in retrospect feels a little intense <laughs> maybe there was something going on there toot toot here I come um, and like you know I don't need as much sleep I don't need mm. to eat as much I, I can work like for hours and hours and hours and hours at extreme level focus on certain things or like um, the ability to sort of bounce between a million things and still get that stuff done. And that's hard because that is when I get into that space, I know that what's coming is a crash. Mm. So I need to manage it, but it's so appealing in society and like in work and in school to be hyper productive, mm-hmm. like you get praised for it. People are right. like, "Wow, you're like, you know, your one hundred percent is everybody else's fifty percent." Someone said that to me once, and mm. it feels good. You know what I mean? To be like, "Yeah, I I can do double what everybody else mm. can do." But it then that makes it harder to realize, like, oh, <laughs> you probably should sleep an mm-hmm. appropriate amount. You should eat an appropriate amount. You shouldn't feel like you're superhuman. And then also, of course the inevitable crash comes and it's the opposite. So Yeah, and people should encourage sustainable, healthy balance for you. (laughs) I know I'm not trying to say those people necessarily meant malice, but it's you also have to be your best Hannah. And like we we don't live to work, we don't live for school. Those are really great, awesome things in our lives that we can reach for. But we also you know, there's other things that our life is composed of that makes us happy or that how we spend our time or what are our hobbies. And I just want to make sure that people support you and being healthy not just like <laughs> hannah i see your tank is almost empty you go girl keep it going I, it just doesn't seem like my tank is empty i think that's that's part of the thing it doesn't feel like that to people all they see is someone who's really good at doing stuff mm. so 
But Hannah, you so you felt like you were on ten, like you were very productive. You I were like able I was to on fifteen. Man, like, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. But then, but Hannah, but also, what did that like? You talked a little bit about minimal, minimally eating, minimal sleep. Sleep. Like, what were some of the other impacts of mania that yeah. wasn't so positive? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is really hard for me to have healthy relationships when I'm in that space. I'm. I'm like very single-mindedly obsessed usually with one thing Mm -hmm. so a lot of times that manifests as work or school so it's hard for me to like focus on anything else it's hard for me to think about other people (laughs) I've become very like self-absorbed and like focused on um on this one thing that I'm I'm really driving towards so it's harder for me to to just have other types of balance in my life and it's just very the whole thing is very volatile you know what I mean? Like speeding bullet train or volcano. <laughs> you know, yeah. it feels just sort of like so much raw power mm-hmm. that I feel like I'm buzzing. Um, and like I don't. High voltage. Yeah, high, high voltage. Yeah. And so that that does become exhausting. I mean, I take on, the other thing I do is I, I, I take on so many things when I'm manic. Mm. And then I get out of that space and I, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so then and then I, I've committed myself to so much and then i i just can't do it all so then i have to backtrack and Mm -hmm. tell people that i can't do it i feel like it's sometimes hard to like manage unhealthy behaviors that are encouraged by society where it's like oh i'm you know my uh, you know in your case um bipolar in my case like sort of like obsessive behavior like sometimes it leads to great results Mm -hmm. or what society deems as great Mm. results where it's like oh you work so hard you get good grades but then like inside you're like i'm exhausted Mm. i'm like (laughs) this is actually like you know this process is hurting me but Mm. because society like sees the results of it and like doesn't maybe care as much about the impact like it's i don't know it's hard to manage mental health when some of like the negative aspects of your disorders or whatever are also what are being praised yeah i think same thing with what you were talking about about being quiet Mm -hmm. or like less so like because sometimes that is encouraged in girls to like take a step back and like not be the vocal one that's why people didn't recognize it because that is is like a stereotype so it's the same kind of thing it's like it's harder to 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 get support you need especially for the stuff that that is not like aligned with society's expectations when the stuff that is aligned with society's expectation creates like a mirage around you (laughs) yeah and even like with things like depression and anxiety like they're sort of like you know growing it's still not great but like growing mainstream acceptance of like oh this is a thing that some girls deal with but then when like less common things or like what's seen as more like more scary things like bipolar and autism it's like I don't know if people still like know what to do still like if I don't know if their friend or themselves or their like if it's a parent like their daughter like was diagnosed with these things like I don't know if they would have know what to do in the same way or have access to the same resources of like oh depression anxiety like you know I like I have a baseline for that I know what that is because like as a society we've started talking about it more yeah we haven't always started talking about these other things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things that can make it harder people assume they understand the experience and jumping in and ready to be prescriptive instead of just listening because sometimes you don't always need someone to give you an answer like an example and of course you guys can use your own experience but like sometimes when people are like you know just get over it or 
or oh, you always seem so happy. And sometimes people do that because like you talked about, Maddie, society, we're naturally inclined to sometimes like, oh, let me have an answer for you or let me yeah. or, let me jump in or have you tried? <laughs> <laughs> and people don't even mean no harm. So I'm not even trying to, I, I've done that. I've done that. I've probably done that on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you that right now. I can't believe oh, it. I know, right? But sometimes um, you just kind of need someone to listen. Yeah. Because it can be a lot to unpack. I think too, like there's, there's something that makes it harder. I know um, that there have been, times in my school life when I was growing up where it was easy for me to do the sit down and focus thing and there have been times where it was very very hard <laughs> or even just the level of socializing necessary mm. for school mm. um, that you're always in like you know you're always doing group projects or you're in big classrooms that the the time to take a step back and and like manage my anxiety about stuff it, it just didn't exist in school so it made it harder to to get through sometimes yeah I sort of had a similar experience where there isn't really any time for like any kind of self-reflection or rest when at least when I was in school because it was like well you did school and then you did after school activities mm -hmm. and then you went home and ate dinner and then you did homework and then like it was pretty much time for bed yeah and so like you know, if school is a really draining environment for you, either because you have attention issues or sensory issues, like that's a thing. Like it's exhausting for me to be in places with a ton of people or like fluorescent lights or just like a lot of noise. But like that's where I was for the majority of the day. Mm. And then I had to go home and like, you know, still function as a human being because I have homework and stuff. So there's just no, I don't like school isn't structured in a way to sort of give students time to just like, for themselves mm. yeah mm. and it's so hard that like uh you had to fit into this space this space was not trying to support and accommodate you mm -hmm. and schools of course we really appreciate these institutions they're powerful so in this conversation we've talked about some things that can kind of amplify or present barriers in 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 healing or the spaces that we're within let's talk a little bit about what helps like what what kind of presents some aid or or what are some things that y'all do to support that experience once people know that I have bipolar disorder, which I definitely think, like kind of like what you were saying, where depression and anxiety are more palatable in the sense that we've been talking about them more, so people know more about them and they kind of have a better sense of like how to accommodate them. Not that they always do, for sure, but like it's a little more common these days. Bipolar disorder is what I consider a scary disorder. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> well it's like an adjective that oh like they're so bipolar like if someone's yeah. just like seems all over the place like oh so bipolar like as an adjective yeah a so derogatory one yeah so if it feel yeah so I, I i categorize it sometimes in that zone because it does make people i think af afraid or nervous and so i don't bring it up very like i don't talk about it as much as i might talk about anxiety where it feels a little more like oh people can relate to that but when people do know i appreciate when people realize that i am going kind of in a manic direction i think one of the ways my bipolar disorder manifests itself is that i'm i'm manic more of the time but when i do crash it's it's bad and so when i'm going in that manic direction or like you know, talking really quickly, you know, being single-mindedly obsessed with something or not blinking. <laughs> That's a common one. When people are able to say like, hey, maybe let's pause, let's slow down. Maybe you should like take a little time to yourself. I think that that 
that has, has been something that really helps. And it's nice to have people have your back in that way. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's kind of similar in that, like, I think other people have such a big impact on how we're able to cope because so much of this is like social like how people react to you and like accommodate you or don't accommodate you can make such an impact on how you're experiencing mental illness or any other neurodivergence I feel like it helps me so much when people just accommodate for weirdness yes yes. like you know what (laughs) whether it's mental illness or neurodivergence some people are going to be different than you in a way that makes you feel like a little like if even if not uncomfortable you're like huh like I do some weird stuff around the office (laughs) like (laughs) like I like wear a hat when most people don't wear a hat to protect myself from fluorescent lights that give me a headache like I Mm -hmm. lay on the ground because I like to work from the ground it's more comfortable But I feel like, especially as a child, points of difference are kind of seen as, like, something that's weird. Like, oh, you're weird. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think it's so hard when you're growing up, like, trying to accommodate everybody else's version of normal. Mm -hmm. And even as, like, an adult, too. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the most helpful people in my life have just been people who just, like, accommodate for weirdness. And just see it as, like, a normal variation. Like, Mm. some people are just different than you and do things that you think are weird but you know what if they're not hurting ever anyone yeah, right <laughs> they're yeah. just doing their thing <laughs> and just like just let them do their thing because like trust that people with mental illness or neurodivergence mm. like know what's best for them and know yeah. like how they need to act in order to get by yeah yeah and learn a little bit about them so that you're not working off of assumptions or or what you think they might want or what you think they're doing and interpreting. That's, I think, something that you can do, too, so that, you know, you can connect and allow them to be who they are and not asking them to accidentally, like, fulfill non, like, unspoken societal expectations. In my own experience, been diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder. And as of last fall... And I really appreciate the things that we were going through talking about because as a young person, you see these intensified experiences or you have a hard time. I think it really linked in my life socially. Just have uh, really bad panic attacks in, in high school and middle school and uh, engaging with friends or like um, feeling like I could make friends. And so, but in my life, it looks a lot different. And, and, and of course, like you, you navigate that as an adult. But I really enjoy this prompt about what helps because I... Uh, the things that you all are talking about, it makes me think of like how I really appreciate communication. Like, for example, I'm very candid with people like, hey, I really enjoy your friendship, even as an adult. And I love it because people respond to this like, hey, I would love to call you or I'd love to hang out. And I've told people like I get really nervous to make an approach because I feel like even if it sounds like you shouldn't think this way, but I feel like it's being presumptuous. Like, oh, if you call them and ask them to hang out, you don't know if they want to hang out with you. Like, oh, well, you, you, you're, you're imposing on them. You know what you're I'm late. saying? I'm right, late. right. <laughs> so I've actually had candid conversations with, with, with friends of mine and people that I'm, like, blossoming relationships with. Like, hey, man, can we do – do you mind reaching out sometime? Because I would love to talk to you, but I, I, I have a hard time making that step. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I have these mixers coming up. And then they invite me to everything. And I'm like, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. And those kind of things really help. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that, that being able to identify, like, some of the, the people who can act – that are different than you in a way that compliments you. Yeah. <laughs> um, can be yeah. nice. Like people who are social in a way that you're not so that you can make those connections without yeah. having anxiety. Or even like, Shane, that's such a good example of like being able to like articulate like what you need. Yes. Like, yeah. hey, this, like it feels like we can't always ask for what we need, right. but like 
I don't, it's like so rewarding when you find those relationships where it's like, hey, I need this thing or this thing is yes. hard for me. And they're like, oh, yeah, totally. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's such a weight off your chest. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is so key. Like I, I, I notice I need to spend a lot of time by myself. That's how I rejuvenate. That's how my spirit gets filled. And uh, I love the fact that with my friends, I could be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I need to cancel today. And they're not like, oh, my God, like I'm so upset. They're like, <laughs> oh, Shana, like they'll be like, Shana. I feel like you might need something and they just are really understanding. And they're like, Hey, like my friends, I, I, they are the coolest people. They'll be like, Hey, let me, let me know if you need to check in. Family's also really cool too. I feel, I love uh, some things that help. And, and we talked a little bit about experience with family, but with family, I feel like I can just be myself and I don't have to put up any radars. You can just organically be in like, that's alleviating time. Yeah. So that's, I, I, I love those kind of things with that. I yeah. think with some family I can and then others I can't. So it's like, and that's a unique experience to walk through too and negotiate. Interesting. So y'all we're, we kind of talked a little bit about some things that has helped some things that has presented challenges. And we talked about what it felt like navigating mental illness as a young person. Now, Considering growing up and as we're all getting older, did it get better as you got older? It did for me because I I was undiagnosed for the majority of my life. I only got my diagnoses when I was in college. And so that really was a relief to sort of have the words to like articulate like what I was struggling with and being able to sort of shift my mindset from like, oh, I just I suck. I'm just bad at these mm-hmm. things. I'm bad at being a normal person. I'm defective was a word I used a lot in mm-hmm. reference to myself. Like I'm just a defective person. It's like, no, I'm a perfectly like normal, good person mm-hmm. who also has depression and autism. And that's like a normal experience. Mm-hmm. And also like cards on the table, like therapy. Chef's kiss. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love Bam. therapy. Yummy. <laughs> when I was okay, it was kind of a aside, but when I was in elementary school, I went to therapy. I wasn't diagnosed with anything there, but like they were just like, oh, Maddie, like can't really make friends. Go to therapy. And I used to brag about it. Like when <laughs> I was in fifth grade, I was like, I get to go to therapy today. <laughs> and like my like classmates were like, what? <laughs> and I just wish like we had the same candidness yeah. as like adults of like, yeah, like let's all go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, like- like I have a coach that's like looking out for me who got my back. Yeah. Who like cares about my wellness. You <laughs> know what? I'm working through my issues. <laughs> and it's like everyone stands up and applauds. <laughs> <laughs> and like medication. I just got on medication six months ago and like it was hard because for years I was like I don't need it I don't need it I don't need it that's something that other people need like I always celebrated it when my friends got on mm-hmm. medication like I was the one who was standing up and applying them I was like way mm-hmm. to get the medication that you needed for your <laughs> mental health yeah. but that's not what I get <laughs> you know I don't have it as bad as them so I don't deserve to be on medication mm. and then I had mm. medication and people's experiences with medication with antidepressants like they can vary pretty widely um i was really lucky that for me it worked pretty much instantly felt like a whole new person like Mm i or i don't even want to say a whole new person because there's this perception that like antidepressants like change who you are right but i just felt more awake and more present in the world and like more able to like experience delight at Mm. everyday things Mm. that like made it easier to just get through the world Mm. heck yeah Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with a lot of those things. I I uh, I have an interesting. I think medication is such an interesting topic. I I agree in terms of the like, 
oh, that's for other, like, I'm so happy for other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have a, I, I, I joke about this being a stereotypical bipolar experience. And I, I think I'm allowed to say that because I am, uh, have bipolar disorder. <laughs> but a, a stereotypical experience with medication is that you get on medication and you feel great. And you're like, I feel great. I don't need this medication. <laughs> um, which has been a common, like, thread for me. I appreciate Adele because <laughs> I was uh, talking to her about th- this w- a while ago and in a very non-judgmental way. This was before I got back on medication. I recently got back on. I was t- sort of talking about that stereotypical experience where I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, I don't really need it. <laughs> and Adele was like, you know, maybe just look into that again. <laughs> and, and I appreciated that because I think it's nice to, to hear that from from someone. So yeah, I think that, yeah, medication helped a lot. I think, yeah, things have gotten better. I think mostly, like you said, because of the awareness. I think that once you know what you're up against and what you're dealing with, you can self-advocate, you can get medication if you need, you can go to therapy, you can recognize the times when you just feel like a really bad person and then you can take a step back and be like, well, maybe is there anything about right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mental illness that might be mm-hmm. impacting that, yeah. You, yeah. you know? Where it's like, yeah. oh, I'm in an anxiety spiral right now. I might not be able to do anything mm. about it, but I mm. know that this is what's happening. Yeah, at least you can identify that piece and, and you can start to think, you can think about like what is the best coping mechanism and you can set up your your life to the best you can to to promote your success instead of feeling yeah. like you have to work double yeah. time. Yeah. Or just like, oh, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> we have, ah, man, we have to wrap up. I really wanted to say this, but I think something that what helps and something that made it so that I had a better experience as I got older was seeing more women of color talking about it, more um, people of color in society legitimizing it. I think sometimes it's an element of racism or systemic oppression where people of color aren't allowed to, um, have diagnoses it's it's like you talked about maddie it's oh you're inherently a bad person or you're inherently or you don't have the tools that, to make it, it like it fits with society's mm. impression so Most then, certainly so then it's harder to like for people to recognize that this is a real thing absolutely people are struggling with absolutely and so just building more understanding and more support for communities of color to understand what's taking place and seek help i think is been just a really powerful thing and i really hope that we continue to move in that direction i know we're supposed to be wrapping up but that's such a important point that i do want to say like sometimes there are like cultural and frankly financial barriers to things like therapy and medication so i don't want anyone listening to this who's like well that's not an option for me like Yeah. yeah i would love to have therapy or medication but i just can't like that's okay like that doesn't mean that you can't also get better and learn coping skills like recovery shouldn't you know have these barriers in front of it but even if it does like that doesn't mean that you can't work towards it or that you have to give up or like oh guess there's no hope for me right like there's still like even before i was diagnosed or getting treatment like i was still like doing things that helped myself mm-hmm. now we can wrap up <laughs> <laughs> maddie's like really i have officiated though. the pen uh, mic drop i finished right? my speech <laughs> so we talked about so much of our progression in life regarding mental health and mental wellness and considering that is there things that y'all wish that you knew when you were younger that would have been um beneficial or positive now or things that you wish you can go back and tell yourself i heard this actually when i went to therapy and i adored this oh my goodness it became such a mantra that you have everything you need 
of course you can gain more skills and and uh, learn more about your experience or a particular diagnosis to, you know, develop coping skills. But sometimes we think we're not whole or we have to just wait, you know, till certain events happen. But I, I love hearing that you have everything you need um, and you are whole and you're the person you should be. I wish I would have told myself that when I was younger. I feel like if I met my younger self, boy, that the role of parchment, it would just like go to the <laughs> ground and be like, you got some things going on with you. <laughs> We're going to like talk about them now. <laughs> but in actuality, I feel like that you don't have to keep this inside yourself. Like you can talk to people. It doesn't have to be your parents if you're not comfortable with that. Sorry to parents who are listening. <laughs> but like sometimes that's just not it the takes person. A village. Yeah. Sometimes. Like and just you know what? Sometimes the first person that you feel comfortable approaching, like it might just be a friend or you know whatever. But like not keeping that inside yourself and like recognizing as like a normal and okay experience to have, like not something like that's a deficit within you that you feel like you have to hide. Like mm -hmm. it does feel better when you have people who you can go to about this stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I think when I was younger, I think one of the things that I would have liked to hear, it's kind of similar to what you said, Maddie, but it's sort of like, find your people <laughs> in the sense that I think that now that I'm older, I recognize that there are just certain people where I, it clicks with them and, and I can be completely open about my experience and, and, and I can make joke. I, I, <laughs> I cope with mental illness through humor. Yes. Uh, I think you do too. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so it, it is so refreshing to find people that you can do that with where it doesn't like shut it down and like mm. scare them. So I think for me, I, I would say like, find your people. Don't feel like you have to, you know, make connections with people that just aren't getting it. Like right. if, if find your people that you can rely on and, 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 and that they, they get it, it clicks. So, you know, wrapping up with this awesome conversation, you know how we do things. I we feel always great. end. Oh, yes, absolutely. Talk about find your people. I know. Oh, my I gosh. Know. Totally. <laughs> absolutely. Safe spaces, <laughs> continuing the conversation and momentum. But you know how we do things. We always wrap it up, would you rather? And we are so excited to bring Idell back on in to go through this awesome process of would you rather. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, I know. Maddie has been highly anticipating this portion of the I podcast. I love would you rather. Oh, I know. <laughs> Every time I listen to this podcast, I'm like, I have an opinion, but no one can hear it. <laughs> now, <laughs> now everyone now gets everyone to listen to my opinion. <laughs> and we're excited for it. Yeah, and again, we never know what it is. At all. Idell, I've tried to bribe Idell with money, gifts. <laughs> we never word. know what it is until I, right now. I have a high price. You haven't found it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yes. All right. Would you rather be able to play any one musical instrument at a virtuoso level or be able to perfectly cook any dish? I'm so angry at how hard this question is. <laughs> it's a really good one. It is such a good question, but it's so hard. Mm -hmm. I feel like we should have we should have been told this like a week ago so we could have like processed our life. Yeah. It's all about the spring. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. I have mine because I always get I always get to it. think about it beforehand. <laughs> but sometimes I like to go last because I like to change my mind based on what everybody's good. Uh, 
like descriptions of <laughs> why they would or wouldn't. Okay, so I love music. Um, I play a few instruments. I play trombone. I play guitar. Um, but I've never felt like I was at like professional level. You know, I had I had dreams and aspirations of those things, and then it never happened. So I would totally pick the instrument one. I I think it Which would instrument? be. That's a really good question. Um, I always really loved playing trombone, and and I don't play anymore. But I think it would feel so beautiful and satisfying to mm. be able to play specifically jazz trombone mm. at like a really high level. Like if I could be the best trombone player, I just I know how it feels to play when you're pretty good but i would love to know how it feels to be able to play at a virtuoso mm. level um so that's what i'm gonna pick i don't i feel such a kinship with you because i played the trombone in school really <laughs> so i feel like we're just like trombone pals uh, we, both, yeah. we both give off the trombone energy <laughs> totally it's a very specific energy yeah it's, it is <laughs> it really is <laughs> Else know what they yeah, say? I actually just like Maddie, like I'm feeling some like Idell's like springboarding me here. I also would choose the instrument because like I I love food. I love that so many of my friendships um are wrapped around trying new foods, being local, you know, um having these unique experiences. And I think that you know, it's of course we know good food, you know, good prepared food. But also I feel like food isn't meant to be perfect. It's meant to be like fun and adventurous and just yummy. And also <laughs> dishes aren't always going to turn out, let's say you like garlic a lot. So you like throw down on some garlic extra than you would, <laughs> you know, or you really like your, your ramen without that much water. You know what I'm saying? So like, so I, I like feel that like broth. <laughs> right. I'm all about the broth. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I feel like dishes they'll always be unique, regardless of if it's a top notch or if it's like homey. Also, you can always eat other people's exactly food. right. Like I can always just be like, look, my ramen tastes like dirt. Like I'm about to go to a, <laughs> go out a restaurant. <laughs> I would choose a, a instrument because also there's so much um, positivity with like having relationship to music and like. Um, and paying attention to how it makes you feel or how it like collaborates with um like the the rest of the ensemble. I think music is so dynamic. Um, and I would love to have like a skill and proficiency. Which, in instrument. which instrument? Jazz. Yeah. Or excuse me, not jazz. The, the instrument of jazz. <laughs> which instrument, Jana? I gotta know. I gotta anyone who picks uh -huh. instrument. I'm gonna ask. Which yeah, instrument. yeah. I would love to know how to play either the saxophone or drums. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like drums are so fun, and I love how intense they are. Or sometimes Especially they can be more chill. Drums. Exactly, that's yeah. what I'm saying, right? And I um, particularly would love to learn how to play saxophone for jazz. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I know we're just going to... We're going to have, have the best, we're gonna have the best uh, combo ever. <laughs> Sorry, Girl Scouts. They have to start their jazz band. Yeah, now. right? Sorry. Bye. -bye. <laughs> <laughs> we always find our like new career paths on I know. the podcast. Like, <laughs> well... Yeah, right. Band. Yeah. So any girls struggling to find their career path, just do a couple would you rather's. Eventually, right. you'll and land you'll on know. something. Yeah. We might go to space. We might cure yeah. a disease. You might learn to fly or be invisible. Exactly. Or, or you just might go on to nature in the wilderness and never be seen again. Yeah. Yeah. Either one. Like, and that's valid. Oh, she's out there. She's good. She's good. She's good. <laughs> me? Is it me time? Or do you want to go? Uh, I could go. Go. I mean, I thought I would like 
came down super hard on one of these. Shayna, you almost changed my mind. But ah. I think I'm so good. Because what you said about food, like, it was so... I know it was so good. They're like, yeah. Sometimes I just want really crappy food. Yeah. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want perfectly made spaghetti. You know what? Right. I, I want I some want a microwave spaghetti. I just feed it to me. <laughs> <laughs> the overly cooked noodles, like yeah, they're like, mm, dissipating in the it. pan. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but I think I would go with food because I hate cooking, and I wish more than anything that I liked cooking. But I just find the process so like boring and unfulfilling. And maybe someday I'll learn to like it, but yeah. right now I don't. And I, like, if, like I get to the end of cooking, and I'm like, I just spent like a half an hour doing that and I could have been doing anything else (laughs) and it's like for this kind of like okay meal so like maybe I would feel better if like okay I just like spend this time doing something I don't like but I came out with this perfect meal yes like maybe it would like make the time investment feel worth it yeah you wouldn't just wish you had gone to (laughs) Sabaro I mean I'll also wish that there aren't really any local anymore it's tough which is fine because it's not that good but still (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean I'll still wish I had gone to like fast food because then I wouldn't have to put in the work but it might make it it might make it feel more worth it to cook whereas right now i'm pretty much like eh, whatever i'll make spaghetti and yeah. that's fine okay <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah i'm gonna it's go you. with the same thing as maddie i would pick be able to cook any dish um uh that di- will disappoint my father who always wanted me to be a drummer uh, <laughs> did you <laughs> play drums why. no i've never played a single musical instrument I'm not, like, your not even sugary. like not even like xylophone or the okay. recorder. Yes, yeah. I played the that xylophone and recorder. Hot <laughs> cross buns, one a penny, two yeah. a penny. All right. <laughs> when I played elementary school recorder, I didn't know how to read music, so I just cheated and I just like moved my fingers and like didn't play any notes. But I was like, y'all never told me how to read music. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> yeah, I I've played those two instruments, but like, my parents are both musicians, so. Um, I think they were interested in me. I've just never been interested. They're going to be crushed when they hear this. They can never hear this. (laughs) But but let's be honest. I don't cook. I just don't. My husband cooks everything. (laughs) Um, And uh, if I knew how to cook... That'd be nice, like especially when he like That'd goes nice. on trips, <laughs> so that you don't starve. <laughs> when he goes on trips, I'm like, well, Taco Bell it is. <laughs> Hannah, what would you want to cook in particular? Like, would you want to know how to bake better? Like, oh, yeah, do you want to make like pastas? I love pasta. Oh, that's the thing. He doesn't really like pasta. So if I knew how to cook, I would eat way more. Pasta. And you wouldn't need him. <laughs> no, no. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> Relationship ended. <laughs> my partner's also like super good at cooking, and I'm like, so it's like, if I could make my own food, what would that do to the relationship? <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. Subconsciously, y'all, maybe that's why I am. We're holding my- ourselves back. Yes. No joke, man. My partner is, I mean, so good at food. This brother can throw down. <laughs> so I'm not kidding. Like, high level. Like, I always feel like it's an experience. So maybe that's another reason why I'm like, oh, look, I'm good. I'll just pursue other passions. Yeah. And that, I'm like, oh, he's good at cooking. I don't need to be good at cooking. Right. And it's like, I should probably still try to be good at cooking. <laughs> I should probably just, like, try to be things. able to cook literally any single Anything. item at all. <laughs> I think, like, my survival. I'm not really sure. I literally look back at college and I'm like, what did I eat? We like, had that conversation I recently. Eat? I 
You named off some things that were sweet potatoes in the <laughs> microwave. Yes. That's fine. Oh That's my god! Cooking. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> cereal? I don't know, man. I don't sweet potatoes I, and cereal. It's okay. Yes. Those so. vitamins. It's okay. I wasn't eating very much. And I Easy Mac. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Yeah, I would pick. I would pick. Be able to make any dish because then I could like experiment with it. I, I, it's kind of like Maddie. Maybe it would be fun and interesting if I felt a little bit more competent, and I could pull off something that was tasty. So yeah, yeah. All right. What do you think, huh, listeners? Oh, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, should I jump in or what? Piercing eye contact. Piercing eye contact. <laughs> I know. I looked at Idell. Like my whole body shifted. Like, I what didn't do you know think? what to say. <laughs> didn't I already go? <laughs> those of you at home. Those of you at home. What do you think? What well, do you think? We're gonna hear what one girl thinks. What would you rather? On girls' pick. Hi, my name is Elva. This month I am interested in the show The Good Place, a show where a woman played by Kristen Bell dies and is wrongly put in heaven, or as they call it, The Good Place. It is very funny and entertaining. My favorite artists this month include Lana Del Rey, Kali Uchis, and Kuko. And lastly, my favorite song this month is Hope is a Dangerous Thing for a Woman Like Me to Have, but I Have It by Lana Del Rey. Girl Talk is brought to you by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Our hosts are Shayna Woods and Hannah Gilbert. The show is produced by Adele Erickson with audio editing by McAllister Grant. For more about the podcast and our team, go to girltalk.girlscoutsrv.org. See you next time.